There we go. Hello, everybody. Mike wasn't, uh, Mike was muted. Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural first live podcast video episode, whatever you want to call it, of Coffee at the Cross. Man, I'm so nervous. I'm so scared. But you know what? This has been a year that, uh, God put it on my heart to do this podcast. And man, it, for a year, I've just been nitpicking at it and picking it apart and building it back up and ready to launch it. And then something would happen and I kind of take it back apart again and start all over again. You know what? I just realized, you know what? It's just time to, you know, lean not on your own understanding. Trust God with all your heart. And so that's what we're going to do. This whole show, I am taking it from this brain here and from God's word and, and what he put on my heart. And I'm giving it to you guys. So I, I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you guys have, uh, that it means as much to you as it does to me to just be able to give everybody a platform where we get to share together. So uh, if you're there on the show and you, you have anything that you'd like to uh, comment on, the comments right there on the Facebook, comment right there. And uh, we can talk to each other through the, uh, the chat right there. So, uh, hey. Here we go. It's our first podcast. I'm nervous, but we're going to let it run. We're going to let it go. I, you know, some people who know me know me. I'm a pastor, and I get up on the stage, but uh, letting you guys a little peek behind the curtain. You know, one of the major things that I've dealt with for a long time is social anxiety disorder. So if you don't believe that God is real and God has the power to do wonderful and miraculous things, he called on me to be a pastor uh a while back, and I was like, "New no way! I can't, you know, I have stage fright, uh, trouble speaking, uh, whenever it comes to God's word. But somehow, whenever I put myself in a place where He's asked me to go to step out of my comfort zone, the minute I do, uh, He just puts a calmness over me, and He just takes over, and all of a sudden, I'm not there anymore. I'm just like I'm a passenger uh, on this wonderful vessel crossing stormy seas, and yet." It's like even though the waves are crashing, the boat is perfectly smooth when he's guiding it and he's steering it. And it's, it's an awesome experience. So I'm nervous, but you know what? God's got this. We're going to trust him. So coffee at the cross. What is this? I just wanted to uh, give you guys a, a brief history. You know, like I said, God put a calling on my heart to do this. Uh, so what is it going to be about? It, it, really, the, the basic of it is the nuts and bolts. Uh in the most simplest form, is a platform for all of us to share in the Word of God. You know, every time we wake up, every time we go out, every time we do stuff, it seems like we are surrounded by such negativity, we're surrounded by such hate, such anger in the world. Uh, we're surrounded by people right now that don't have God, and when they don't have God, they don't have patience. And we all know that when God moves and we pray for things to be careful when we pray for patience because God uses patience on a level that we do not understand and we will never understand and we always tell each other as Christians when you pray for something be careful when you pray for patience because God can do some stuff that uh, is on his timing and not yours so in a nutshell I just wanted to do a podcast where we could sit down and we could remind ourselves what this is all about what this whole life was about, why we were created, why were we put here on this earth, why we have family and friends, and, and what it's supposed to be, what relations are, relationships are supposed to be about, what friendships are supposed to be about, what family is supposed to be about, what our church is supposed to be about. You know, we, we've gotten to a society where all of a sudden churches have become entertainment venues. Uh, you have mega churches, and, and you know, I was watching a I was flipping through YouTube the other day, and I was watching a message from a very prominent pastor. I won't say his name, 
But if you know what I'm talking about, you'll know who it is as I'm talking. And he's in this mega stadium, and he's preaching, and behind him, you know, in the church that we preach in, the church that I'm a part of, behind the, the pastor, behind the speaker, behind the preacher, you have a large cross. That's what it's all about. It's, it's the one and only way you get to heaven. Only through the cross are we able to get there. It is what it is all about. And, and what, does the cross, what does the cross represent? It doesn't cross. It, it doesn't represent so much of his crucifixion, but it reminds us of the resurrection and what had the price that had to be paid for that resurrection, and for our resurrection to go into eternal life. So, in our church, the cross is the first and foremost thing. But I was watching this mega pastor who's in this mega stadium, and there's just thousands of people sitting in the seats. And as he's talking, there's this golden globe the size of my house spinning behind him. And I'm like, what? of all the things that you want to put behind you that represents God, your symbol is the world. You know, we're not supposed to love the world. We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love the cross. But we're not supposed to be of this world and love the things of this world. We're supposed to love the things of Christ. This world is of the flesh. This world is of sin. There are certain things. So of all the things to to display prominently behind you, it, it's a world. But that's not what we're supposed to be chasing. We're supposed to be chasing the holy the holiest of holies, the throne room. So we're, we're, we're in a society right now where we have mega churches everywhere. And, and what they're doing is it's become a performance. It's become a way to fill the seats. And we're giving messages that don't offend people anymore. And I can't imagine living a life in Christ and thinking that I'm really serving God if I wake up every morning and I think I got it. And I think that everything's okay. And I think I'm doing I'm perfectly executing everything that I'm supposed to do. Well, I got news for you. I don't. I am I am a hot mess. I am busted and broken. I make mistakes daily. I sin daily. I'm in the flesh. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the means. But I try to perfectly imitate him, as Paul tells us, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul wasn't perfect. Paul pleaded, you know, with God to remove this thorn from my flesh. Paul pleaded, you know, to... He just pleaded for so many things, but to, long story short, what he did, he did with flaws. Peter did miraculous and wonderful things with flaws. The disciples did things with flaws. They were all flawed. There was only one living creature who walked this earth that did it flawlessly, and that's Jesus Christ. And he was the most perfect being that we'll ever experience. And so what, what we've gotten to is a society where we're giving everybody this message that they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And what they need to hear, and I, I'm sorry if this comes across the wrong way, but what we need to hear are things that offend us. We need to be offended daily. Why? Because if I'm not being offended, then I'm not learning how to walk in Jesus Christ. I'm not w learning to walk and overcome obstacles. And you don't overcome obstacles if you're walking around thinking that you're executing life perfectly every day and that you're perfect and that you're doing everything perfectly well, our accomplishments aren't perfect, but our pursuit can be perfect. And what I mean by that is we, we understand that we make mistakes. We understand that we are sinners. We understand that we are flawed. We understand we're going to have moments where our spiritual zen just flies the coop and we do things left and right that are the, the worst things imaginable. 
in our minds when we look back and just, you know, we just had that moment in the flesh where we just lash out, whether we're in it by ourselves or with a friend, and then immediately, because we are one with Christ, you feel the conviction, and you just, Lord, what did I just do? I, I literally just flew the coop in the worst way I could think of. And that's what we need to get back to. We need to get back to churches that remind us of our flaws, not to beat us down, but to remind us that we don't have it all together, that we do make mistakes. Because there are people in the seats that are around you that beat themselves up to the point of depression, to the point of a place in their life where they're actually considering, considering suicide. They get to some dark places because they do recognize they're flawed. And when we as Christians in a community walk around like we're perfect and that we have it all together and that everybody else should too, imagine the burden, the extra burden, the extra weight you're putting on the shoulders of those who have come to Christ and come to the church to, to seek an environment where they're recognizing that, man, you know, not to, not to be too honest, but man, these guys are just as jacked up as I am. Man, I can be a Christian and be this messed up, and I can be a Christian and make mistakes, and I can be a Christian and fall short. You know, Romans 3.23 tells us that we, um, we all have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. For there are none righteous, no, not one. People need to be reminded that they're not alone, that they're not perfect. And I'm telling you right now, in the world we're living in, we have got to get back to a place where we are strongly connect, connected to Christ, not by what we're doing right, but a recognition of what we do wrong daily. We have to get to a place of repentance. We have to get to a place where every single day we are repenting for our mistakes. Like I said, this is not to beat you up. This is not to beat myself up, but this is to clean our slate daily because we don't know if when we lay our head down on that pillow that God's going to give us another chance to go out and do his good works the next day. You don't want to go to bed with one unconfessed sin on your heart. So confess them all. Give testimony. Let's be storytellers. Let's tell each other our stories. Let's tell each other our mistakes. Let's, let's not try to tell everybody the best of us, but be honest about the worst of us sometimes and why. It reminds each other that we need each other. It reminds each other... It reminds us all that we need more than just what the world has taught us to lean on, you know. Uh, one of the things that I, I find common, and it just blew my mind, one of the things we were doing when we were, when I was in Bible college the last couple of years, <clears throat> was talking about the difference between the secular world and the way they counsel people and the way Christians counsel each other. You know, when you go to a psychiatrist, when you go to an AA meeting and you're a recovered alcoholic, you have to start everything by, hi, my name is Mike Newman and I am an alcoholic. I haven't taken a drink in 20 years, but I'm an alcoholic. That's like me saying after coming to Christ, you know, let's say that I came to Christ and I was addicted to painkillers. That's true. That is my story. Um, and we'll get into that testimony down the road. It's not about me right now, but I'm just I'm just using an example and a real example, and that's me. But in Christ, I don't walk around telling everybody, "Hey, my name is my Hey, my name is Mike Newman, and I'm an addict." No, I go around telling everybody, "Hey, my name is Mike Newman, and I am a saved Christian. I have been restored, I have been resurrected, and I have been given new life. I am a believer, and I am a follower of Christ, and that is my identity." 
But in the world, they want you to admit that your identity is your flaw. Your identity is your weaknesses. Your identity is where you've fallen short. And Christ, he doesn't care what the world thinks of you. All he cares about is where your heart is. And are you willing to go tell someone else your story about what God did for you? We don't have to be preachers. We don't have to be knowledgeable. We don't have to know the word. We don't, know, we don't have to know the word inside and out. We just have to know who God is. We have to know who Jesus Christ is. We have to recognize what he did for us when we gave the Savior's prayer. I accept that I am a sinner and that I need you, God. The Savior's prayer. I, conf- you know, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and I confess my sins. That's what the world needs right now. The world needs more flawed people. And right now we are living in a world of cancel culture where every mistake is used to just destroy another person. And they're building up this false pretense that we have to now walk on a platform in which we are perfect and we don't make mistakes. And that anybody who makes a mistake is crucified by, by social media and, the, and just the, the majority of people. God doesn't operate like that. God loves your flaws because they're usable, they're treasured, and they were mistakes that we make, but when we, get, when we recognize Christ and we walk with Christ and we acknowledge our flaws as who we are, that we are the flesh and that we do sin and we do make mistakes, but when we acknowledge them and tell everybody about them, don't hide them, but when we share our sins, when we share our mistakes with each other and tell each other that I, I am not perfect by no means, I make mistakes daily. You know, and sometimes you share something with somebody if they're going through something, and it's a sin that you had, a sin you overcome, or a fight that you fight daily. Because you know what, even though, like, you know, there are people who've overcome their addiction to something, but the craving is still there. The flesh is still there to seek it because it's like the ice cream. It's the it's the 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 feel good quick stuff. You know, they're the things that we went to in the flesh to make us feel good, but anything that you seek in the flesh doesn't last. You know, ice cream tastes wonderful when you sit when you want to sit down and just have something sweet like comfort food. But if you had to eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, that stuff would kind of make you just sick to your stomach, and you just would feel lethargic. You would feel lazy. You'd get this belly like I have right here. You know. I had a winter where I loved my chocolate and I had my comfort foods, and I'll be honest with you, I was all up in my feelings over COVID and, and the stresses of masks and, and no masks and vaccines and no vaccines and, and the, the, the battles in the church and the community and the world and being a pastor and trying to walk the line of, of you know trying to be acceptable in the eyes of God but not condemning to the people who are trying to make their decisions. That's a, that's a hard— it's, Trying to manage a church this past year in COVID and being Christ-like when the Christian community can devour each other like none other is very stressful. So, I just, you know, long story short, getting back to it, I just, I just wanted to do a show, A Coffee on the Cross, where we get to have a platform where we get to share our stories, share stories of where we've been, where we're going, and where we'd like to be, a vision. You know, I, I recently did a sermon for our church where it was talking about vision. What is your vision for yourself? What is your vision for your family? And what is your vision for your community? And that's what this show is about. 
where, where I've been, but where I want to be, where I'd like to go, what I would like to do for God, and what he's done for me. And, you know, everybody wants to talk about the political stuff. Everybody wants to talk about politics. Everybody wants to talk about cancer culture. Everybody wants to talk about critical race theory. Everybody wants to talk about this. But you know what we need to hear? You know what I need to hear? You turn on the news and you just see the world on fire and you see everybody bickering and arguing and tearing each other apart. You know what I want to see when I turn on the TV? I want to know what God's doing. I need to be reminded myself that he's still working. Because I'm flesh, and I get beaten down, and I can be worn down, and I can be taken down. But you know what? I need to be reminded sometimes that he's still working. And there's still people that out there that need help. And if he came for them, and he came for me in my life, and this person was restored because someone came to them, then I can't stop with what God did for me. I have to keep going. I have to share my story. I have to share my testimony to those who need to hear it. I need to share what God has done for me every single day because I'm telling you, if you know, if if you see what I see in the world, I'm reminded a thousand times a day of everything that's wrong with the world. I don't see that many people that are reminding each other, but reminding each other about what's right with the world. That God still loves me, Christ still loves me, my friends still love me, and my family still loves me, and we need to get to back to a place where everybody loves each other like a mother loves their son like a father loves their children. Because we can have children, they make mistakes, and the world could crucify them. And, you know, like as a parent, it doesn't matter how far down the road of the wrong path our children go, we still love them. And no matter how far they go, we will we will grab onto them when they're ready to come back and bring them home. Why does that only exist anymore in our families? Where's it gone? Where has that love for our friends for our friends and our acquaintances, and where's that love for strangers gone? And I'll tell you why, where it's gone. It's gone because we've lost that connection with God. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. When we were Christians and we were when we, not even when we were Christians, when we first went started going to church, we were not saved. We started walking in the door and you know we had our afflictions and we had our we had our things and our skeletons in our closet and our burdens that weighed us down. We, and we convinced ourselves and gave ourselves enough courage to walk through the front door. And we're walking through the front door of this building, and our mindset is, I'm getting ready to go to church because I know I am messed up, and I know I want something better, and I know I want to belong to something, and I just know that God is right, and I need to be closer to him. I just know. So you go, and you convince yourself, and you walk in this room, and immediately you feel like you're surrounded by 150 to 200 or, you know, if it's a smaller church, 40 people, whatever the number is, you walk in the door and you immediately feel like you're surrounded by superior people. You immediately feel like you're surrounded by people that know how to fix the problems and handle the problems you cannot. You know how you feel like you're surrounded by people that know how to to socialize and have friends and, and have fun when you do not. You feel inferior when you walk through that door. And then all of a sudden you sit down and you start to, you're listening to a few sermons and you start to meet a few people and you start to feel welcomed in and someone from a, from a few seats over comes up to you and says, hey, what's your name? And they shake your hand, they start talking to you and all of a sudden something strange happens. For the first time in your life, someone asks you, so tell me, tell me about you. What's your story? Where do you work? 
what do you know? What what are the, some things? Some of the things you like to do? Uh, where have you been? What can, you know? But you know what's different this time around? For the first time in your life, they're asking and they they actually care about the answer. We run into fifty to a hundred people a day that ask you, "Hey, how's it going? How's your good morning? How you doing?" And really, they're saying it because it's like programmed in. But they really don't care about your story. They really don't want to hear about how bad of a day you're having. They really don't want to hear about how good of a day you're having. And the minute you start to tell them, they, you could see the look in their eye like, oh, Lord, what have I done? And 90% of them aren't even asking, oh, Lord. They're just saying, oh, you know, oh, crap. What have I just done? Now i got to sit here and listen to this dude's, this, this lady's story. I don't have time for this. We see that every day, everywhere we go. But for the first time when you go to church, you realize there are people that are asking you that, but they truly care. They want to know. They really do care and want to know how your day is going. They truly do care and want to know where you've been. They truly do want to know your past, your history, your flaws, your mistakes, because they want you to feel loved. They want you to feel welcome. And it's different and it's transforming. And we get to a place when that happens where we feel so connected with God that all of a sudden, man, this is a house of God and this is what it's like to go to church and this is the family I've always been waiting for and people care about me. People want to know if I'm, people actually want to know if I'm having a bad day and more than that, they want to know what happened and then on top of that, they actually want to stay and talk about ways that they can help me get over my problem. Where does that happen? Where did that come from? Then all of a sudden you decide, you look at that cross behind the preacher as he's talking, and you're like, you know what, I need, I, I want this. This is what God is. This is who God is. This is who Jesus is, and I want it. And you find yourself coming to the altar one day when the pastor gives the sermon, and he's done, and he opens up the, the altar for those who get saved. And when he does it in your mind, you're like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. But, man, I would look foolish, and I'm, I don't want to be the only one going up there. And everybody's going to see me, and I'm going to be a hot mess, and I'm going to be crying all over the place, and I'm supposed to be a man. So I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go, and all of a sudden you, you've, you're convinced that you're, you're not going. And before you know it, you find yourself walking to the altar, and you're at the altar, and your knees crying, and you don't remember saying yes to anybody who said, are you ready? And you've given your heart to God, and you're all in. And from that moment on, you're riding this spiritual high, this emotional high, right? You're riding this emotional high, the spiritual high, like nothing can touch you. And when you're walking, your feet don't touch the ground. And all of a sudden, all the problems of the world don't matter. If someone's getting mad at you at work or someone's trying to, to get under your skin, you don't care. You're, you're walking and you're floating as you know the day goes by, and it is such an awesome feeling. I am now experiencing what it's like to be Superman, right? But it doesn't last. We've all been there, where after a while, you get to a point where you start to feel Satan coming after you. You start to feel the darkness coming after you. You start to feel surrounded by people that don't have God in their life, and it's it's harder to hold on to Christ when you go out into the world and you leave church, and 90% of the people that you're talking to don't acknowledge God, don't care about God, and when they use his name, they're not using it in a good way, and then when they're using Jesus Christ— his name, they're not calling on him for something wonderful. They're they're using his name in vain and you're they're cursing left and right. And all of a sudden now you're the oddball in the room. Now all of a sudden you feel like if I don't 
blend in and start acting like they do, I'm going to feel unloved and I'm going to feel that feeling I used to feel. So you start to give up a little bit. And before you know it, you kind of drift off. And that's when the dangerous things happen. And I want to share, I want to share with you a true story. A true story is something that happened in my house, a, a true miracle. 100% miracle that happened in my house, and it happened recently. The other night, my wife and I were sitting in the living room one night, and my daughter, my wife was cooking in the kitchen. And, and I see everybody joining in. Thank you so much, Lori and, and Cheryl and John and, and Danielle and all you. Thank you. And, and Laura, thank you for joining in. Glad you can share in this story. So here we go with this with this story. We were, I was sitting in the in the living room watching TV with Madison, and she says, Daddy, I smell something burning. And, of course, me being Dad and Lori, I love you. She's downstairs. She might run up here and choke me out before this video is out for this. But I looked at Maddie, and I whispered to her, well, Mom's cooking. It's probably just, it's Mom. I love you, Lori. But, uh, you know, she said she was cooking. I said, Mom's cooking. You know, sometimes things burn. No big deal. And she goes, no, Dad, it's different. It's, it's, it's in the living room. I said, well, maybe it's carrying. So I get up, and I go up into the kitchen, and I, I walk in, and I don't smell anything burning. Actually, Lori's doing an awesome job. She's cooking. I think it was a steak dinner that night. Lori, tell me if I'm wrong in the comments. I think it was steak that you were cooking, and it smelled awesome. It was wonderful, by the way, just for the record. It's like, well, that's not the smell. So I, I went upstairs to go check because, you know, I'm up here in the studio. I have 5,000 things plugged into this room. I said, is something overheating or, you know, do I have something, too many things plugged into one outlet? I go up there, there's nothing. So I come back down in the living room, and I'm sitting there, and now I can, I can kind of smell it, but I'm not trying to alarm my wife because, you know, in her past, in her early 20s, she was living in a house fresh out of high school, and uh, her home burnt to the ground. So she actually had an experience where in the middle of the night she was woken up in the middle of the night in her house on fire and she lost everything. So my wife is really twitchy when she smells things. So I didn't want to alarm her. I didn't want to tell her what my, my daughter had smelled. But I could smell it. So eventually my wife caught on. And she's like, what is Maddie talking about? And I told her, well, there's something burning, but I'm trying to fit. I don't smell anything. So I was walking around. I couldn't see anything. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, okay. I'm just going to sit here in the living room, and she, we could, it went away, and then it come back again. And as it came back, I'm like, okay, now that is definitely something rubber, like electrical. I know that smell. I used to be a maintenance guy for, for 10 years, uh, so I know the smell of, of when something rubber is burning, something electronic or, you know, with a rubber sheathing. So I start looking around, and I go immediately to um, – I, I go to my outlet that I could see, a surge protector, and I can see where it's plugged into the outlet. I could see it melting a little bit. I'm like, oh, surge protector. Thank the Lord for the surge protector. So I unplugged the surge protector in the, in the living room, and I'm like, okay, problem solved. We just need a new surge protector. So I'm sitting there in the living room. My wife is really nervous now. She's really panicking, like, why would it do that? Why would it do that? I'm like, well, this is what a surge protector does. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm still not convinced totally that that's it. So I, I sit next to that spot, and my wife, she's, she's clued in. She's smart. She's paying attention. And as I'm sitting there, she's like, why are you sitting by that outlet? 
And I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, eating my dinner, watching TV with you, just, just, you know, just sitting here. And then I could smell it come back again. And I'm like, man, all right, now, why is it the rubber still burning? Couldn't figure it out. So, you know what I'm like? I'm like, it may be the outlet, but I'm not sure. So I open up the curtain. That's it. This outlet's directly underneath the window, and the curtains are closed. And I'm like, all right, well, let me open up the, the curtain so I could just keep an eye on it. So I'm sitting there, and as we're sitting there watching TV, I look over, and all of a sudden now I can see smoke coming out of the outlet. Now, that's definitely not normal. So I tell my wife, and I'm trying not to alarm her, but I'm doing the worst job possible because I look at her and I say, do me a favor, whatever you do, don't leave this room. Keep an eye on that outlet. And I leave. And my, I'm, in my brain, I'm like, I'm going downstairs. I need to turn off the, the surge, the, the breaker to that, to that outlet in the room. But I didn't tell her what was going on. I didn't want her to freak out, and I didn't want her to, you know, my, my worry was I need her to look at this outlet and make sure that it's, that the power in the room goes off, and I'm worried that my wife, being with her past experience, and then I tell her that there's an electrical issue and things, it's burning, she would run, <laughs> leave the house, and I kind of need her help. So poor, God bless her soul, I left her hanging and just told her, stay in the room, and I run off, and I start flipping breakers off. And, and it turns out our, surge, our breaker box was not labeled properly, so I'm turning off breakers, and not one of them is labeled living room. And uh, so I'm just flipping all these breakers off, and I, I start yelling. She's, she's getting upset upstairs, naturally so, when deservedly so, because I'm not doing the best at communicating, honestly, what's going on. So we finally get to the point where I, I yell from the basement, just let me know when the power goes off in the living room. She's like, oh, all right, and I'm flipping breakers. She goes, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. And I'm like, I don't need to hear that's not it. I just need to hear that's it. So finally I get to the breaker where it is it. And it's off, and I go upstairs, and I, I get my tools out, and I start pulling the breaker. Now that I know that the power's off, I open it up, and as I pull the receptacle plate off, I look back, and I can see this bad boy right here. Now, as you can see with a breaker, I don't know if you can see, on two, each side here, let's see if I can get this camera to focus in. Probably won't. On this breaker here, you see these two little metal poles and electrical lines inside your wall wrap around this thing, and you got to wrap it around tightly, right? And then you got to screw it in super tight. You don't want these things to be loose. But over time, things happen, and they work themselves loose, and a receptacle will burn out when that happens. Well, this thing had come loose, and it separated itself in such a way that there was a gap between the wire, the wire had actually uh, come loose and been loose for so long that it was so brittle at the end that it just snapped off. And now there was a gap between the wire and this screw right here, the power wire coming in. And what happens with electricity is when there's a gap right there, if it's still close enough, there's still enough electricity that it will actually, like a little mini lightning bolt, will connect itself to this. And you'll see this little bitty stream of little electricity, like a, a miniature lightning bolt, connecting these two. The problem is when that happens, that lightning bolt, as, as going, does this. And as you can see, the side of this thing is completely burnt out, melted, and it was on fire. 
So I pull this out and I show my wife and she's like, how does that happen? And I explain the same thing to her, how it happens when there's a loose connection. You got that little mini lightning bolt that bridges the gap. But you don't know that you don't have power for a while because that electricity is flowing through that little lightning bolt in on the side of here and that wire, that little gap. There's a little lightning bolt. It's still making an electrical connection, and it's powering everything on the other side. But what happens is everything that's connected in the close vicinity of that the close vicinity of this area catches fire, and the whole house could burn down. But we were lucky enough and blessed enough that this thing actually caught fire about 20 minutes before my wife and I went to bed. We're, we're, we're going to go to bed. It was coming to the end of the night. And this thing happened right there as my little seven-year-old daughter was sitting seven feet away from the outlet. And then I was sitting right there, and it happened to catch fire with us there, not in the middle of the night in our sleep. Thank you, Jesus. That's the miracle that happened. So why am I telling you this testimony? Well, there's a, there's a message in here about what's going on in the world right now. A lot of people grew up knowing God and knowing what is morally right and spiritually right. And now all of a sudden we're living in a society where we're not acknowledging sin and we're not repenting for our sins. We're championing sins, the right to do what we want. We should be... Not only am I doing something that God in the book sees as a sin, but the world needs to accept that. And what they don't understand is just because I don't agree with what you're doing doesn't mean I don't love you as a person. God commands me to love everybody, no matter what they've done. I have to love you. And if you've sinned against, if you've done something against me, I have to forgive you. But what happens when the world distances, distances themselves from God? And what we do as Christians when we just feel beat down over and over again, beat down about the world, and we start to just kind of, I'm not going to rely on God so much today because I'm, ju I'm just not in the mood. I'm just so tired. I'm so angry. And you know what? Praying is a good thing, but it doesn't, you know, that praying isn't going to calm me down right now. I'm going to lash out. I'm going to argue. I'm going to do all these things. So we start to we start to distance ourselves from the way from where God wants us to be and how God wants us to be and how God wants us to respond to a situation. Now what happens is we've now created a gap between us and God when we do that. And Satan is just waiting for that gap to happen. He loves to drive a wedge between you and God. And when he does, he does this thing where he bridges the gap where you don't even know it. It's a dangerous place where we think we're still close with God when we're not. And when we lose that, when we have that little bit of gap between us and God, Satan likes to sneak in, right? He likes to sneak in because here's a Bible verse I want to share with you. It's John 10.10, 10, and it says right here. I, want, I, I have it right here because I didn't want to mess it up. John 10.10, 10, a thief comes to kill and destroy. But Jesus, he's saying, I came that they may have it, they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants you to have wonderful life, but Satan is coming into your life to kill, steal, destroy, all of those things. And when we put a gap, when we start to, when that gap between us and God grows, how he does it is God, is, is Satan, not God, but God will sit back and wait for you to repent. He gives us a space. He gives us space to 
to come back. He gives us space to to repent. He gives us space to forgive. He gives us space to come back to him. But Satan loves to jump into that space. And what he does is he doesn't come and you know Satan's in the room. He doesn't declare who he is when he walks into a room. He disguises himself. He's sneaky. And what he does is he sneaks himself into that gap. And he tries to make a connection between you and who you think where, and, and where God is. And he supplies a power source that links you to where you think God is. He fills that gap. And you think because I'm connected with God, because I'm a Christian and I still go to church on Sundays and I still pray, when I do things and I start to do things that aren't of God and I'm not forgiving people and I'm not loving on people regardless of, of the choices that they're making, when we start to fall back on, you know, if we start cursing a lot and we start getting angry and lashing out, Satan comes into that gap and he bridges a power source where all of a sudden you feel energy. You feel, you, you just don't feel like you've lost that connection to God when really it's Satan bridging the gap. And what happens is that power source is nothing but a lightning bolt. It's an invisible force. And when you rely, when, when you're not trying to close the gap between where you are and where God wants you to be, and you keep maintaining that gap, but you still feel something like, okay, there's still energy here. I still have the power to do on the, to do these things. The power source that Satan provides will burn and destroy everything in its vicinity. And now, instead of you representing Christ and doing things as Christ would and people saying life, life that is abundant, everlasting, ever-flowing, forgiving, it, overcoming everything, it is a power source that destroys and burns, and everything around it catches fire. And before you know it, if you're not paying attention, before you know what's going on, your spiritual house, which is you, and the family that lives in it, which is your family, are caught up in the destruction, and your house is burned to the ground. It's how Satan works. He loves to look for loose connections. He loves to look for people that don't read the Bible anymore. He loves to look for people that that don't pray like they should. He loves to look for people that don't worship like they should. He loves to look for people. You know, Billy Graham used to say, you know, and I'm not saying that we got to stop sinning because Billy Graham said this wonderfully. You know, we are we are all sin. We we have the flesh. It's sin nature after Adam and Eve, you know, uh, did what they did in the garden. We've always had to live a life where we're going to sin and we're going to make mistakes. But Billy Graham used to say, you know what, we all sin, but sin are like birds. We can't stop them, the, you know, our sin nature. We can't stop birds from flying over our heads. But Billy Graham said, we can stop them from nesting in our hair. So we're going to do things that are against God. We are going to make mistakes, but we've got to bridge the gap, the gap quickly. So when we find ourselves angry, altered, upset, disturbed, and we want to lash back and we want to return fire, we need to pray. We need to worship. Put some worship music on. Get yourself calm. Stop and pray for a minute. And hey, you know what's really cool and, and really courageous? 
is not to fight back with nastiness, but to sit there and pray in the moment when someone is trying to come over top of you and just overwhelm you and, and bring down the walls and destroy your home with anger. Pray. Acknowledge Jesus. You know, they say acknowledge him and he will make your path. He shall direct your path. He'll make your path straight. He has the power to move mountains if you acknowledge him. So acknowledge him in the moment when you're angry, when you're upset, when you're encountered by people who are angry and upset. We are in a society of I want, I want, I want. COVID was not the attack by Satan. Got news for you. The pandemic, the isolation was the setup. It was the distraction. It was to get us all off of, get our eyes off of God and get us isolated and get us in our homes and to separate us in Satan's attempt to disconnect us from each other, to disconnect us from our churches, and God allowed it. Make no mistake about it. Nothing happens on this earth without God's permission. As Miss Joyce in our church always says, there is nothing that happens to you in your life that hasn't first been sifted through the hands of God. Okay? So things are going to happen. COVID happened, and God allowed it, and he's letting Satan do whatever he wants, just like Job. Do your best. Do your worst. And he's waiting for us to respond, Christian people, to respond with love, with kindness, with prayer, worship, getting back in the Bible. He took things from us that were distractions. He took movie theaters away from us. He took our ability to watch sports away from us. He took all the things that we were putting before God, and he took it away from us. Now, with that empty space, what do you put in it? You put all these idols and all of these things before me, and I've taken them from you. Now, what are you going to do in that empty space? Are you going to pray more? Will you finally speak to me more? You don't have to go to church to be my child. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a pew sitter to be a Christian. You have to say, walk, live, speak, and just enact his word in everything you do. That's all you have to do. But what happened with COVID is we've all, even me, have gotten to a point where even my wife has to tell me when the other day I was having a bad day. I was all up in my feelings. I was bummed out. I was sitting on the couch, sitting on the chair, and I was just having a bad day. My wife said, what's going on? And I said, I don't want to talk about it. Just a bad day. I'll be right. I'm going to you know, put my big boy pants on. I'm going to deal with it, and I'll be fine tomorrow. But she wouldn't let it go, and she kept digging, and I told her what my problems were. And I just wanted her to understand my problems and, and, and tell me what I needed to do to those problems to fix them. And her response was, when was the last time you were in the Bible? And I had to sit there for a minute, and I didn't know she, you know, it was I, she had a got me moment, I gotcha moment, and I was still not trying to give her that got me moment. And I was sitting there, I was like, well, and I'm thinking, like, I know it was in the Bible the day before yesterday because I was trying to search for something. What was it about? And I was like, well, I was in the Bible Tuesday, and she's like, it's days ago. I should be in my Bible every day. I should be in my Bible every day. And I, it's been two days since I was in the Word. That's why I was having the day I had. I had a loose connection with God. Satan got in there. And I didn't realize I had had that loose connection because things were still going. Things were still trucking. Like this outlet. 
even though the, the connection was broken, even though there was a gap between this outlet and the power source, so even though there was a gap between me and God, there was this invisible force, which was Satan, this little lightning bolt that was traveling from the edge of this wire to here. And everything was burning down around me, but I didn't know because everything that I was doing still had power. There were still things going on. I was still able to go out and accomplish things. I was still able to get my work done. I was still able to to be around someone and, and, and to pray for him once that day. And I was still able to do a certain things, but you know what I didn't have? I didn't, I wasn't connected to the true power or source of God. I hadn't read the Bible for days. And what happened was because of this little gap right here, what electricity does when there's a gap between an outlet and a wire, because I hadn't read the Bible for two days and because I hadn't done anything, Satan filled the gap, and I hadn't even know it because, like I said, everything that I was connected to was still working, still functioning. Even though I was having problems, the job was getting done. But what I didn't realize was Satan was filling the gap because I hadn't been connected with God for a couple of days, and I was starting to catch fire, and I was starting to burn out. I was relying on a power source that was dangerous. And what I mean by that, I wasn't calling on Satan. I wasn't calling, like, none of that junk. I was relying on me, and I was relying on resources of the world. I was relying on the flesh to get through my day, what I could do, the power of Mike Newman to get through the day. And I wasn't relying on the power of God. And I found myself in a place the other day where I was miserable. I was beat up, and I was ready to quit anything that was thrown my way. This happened to me, as you see right here. There was a big hole in me. Because I let Satan drive a wedge between, I, I, I let Satan drive a wedge because of the things that were thrown at my way. And because I hadn't been filled with God and connected with God, he filled the gap. And everything connected to me was still getting done. But like I said, everything around me was getting burned to the ground. I wasn't restoring anybody, I, I wasn't responding the way I should as a Christian. I was joining them. So that, that's what this podcast tonight was about, our loose connections. We got to check ourselves. We need to take the cover off sometimes. That you know, When this cover was on, we had no idea what was going on behind it. Sometimes we need to look at ourselves and remove the cover and see, am I strongly connected to God right now? Have I read the Bible today? Even if it's just a verse, even if it's just five minutes, you know, you don't have to sit here and read an entire book or an entire gospel. You don't have to read an entire chapter at a time. Just open up that book and read until something hits you. Stay there. Write that scripture down. You know, I love index cards. I have a pile right next to me all the time. And anytime I have a scripture that hits me, I write it down. As you can see on here, I write scriptures down all the time, as you see here. Write it down. Put it on your fridge. Put it on. Uh, put, put it on your your. You know, there's. Here's the thing, okay. And I'm being honest here, and you're all gonna you remind me and convict me of it all the time. But when I'm driving, sometimes I like to put my worship music on. But sometimes I like to if there's. Like if I know I got to go home and do something for the podcast, or I want to try something new, sometimes I'll put on my my iPhone and I'll put it on the dashboard right next to my speedometer, and it's a video, and I try to listen to the video, of these tips and tricks and how to do things like you're seeing on here. And since it's been a year since God called me to do this, it's a lot of driving and a lot of listening to these videos. But I would catch myself watching the video instead of the road. 
and I'd look up and thank God for them little things on the side of the side of the road. I call them road farters because you ever think you're in your car and all of a sudden it sounds like your car is farting as it's going down the side of the road. I hey, I, I you know this isn't church, but this is honest. This is real. I love you guys. I'm being real. And they wake you up and realize you're now you're no longer inside the lines. So you know what? Write this thing on a piece of paper, like. Uh, instead of putting your phone on the dashboard like we watch our GPS or, or, or text messaging each other, put something there on your dashboard. So as you're driving, you look down and you see that scripture that hits you. And you just, you know what, you don't have to memorize it, but you just keep reading it throughout the day. Like I have written here, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I like to sit that, sit, sit that right on my dashboard, you know, sit that in front of me at this table because when I start to beat myself up about how... I'm messed up and how I'm not like some of these other people that I see on YouTube with all these other videos. I look at this and I remind myself that the person that I keep trying to hold myself up to doesn't exist. There is no person that is better than me. We are all equal. We all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. All we can do is try. All we can do is try and try our best. And when we try our best, when we just do little things like that, we open up the Bible and we try to, we get to a scripture that we really like, write it down. Like I said, put it on a place that you know you're going to go to two or three times to just remind yourself, why am I here? That vision. What, what, what am I supposed to be doing? What can I be, what can I be doing? What can I be doing? who I really am in God's eyes and who I need to stop trying to be in the world's eyes. Stop trying to live up to this pedestal in cancer culture where you can't say this and do this and do that because you can't admit who you are and what you've done because if you've done that, how dare you? And you know what? You're ostracized from society. We all have skeletons in our closet. And 90, 99% of the people, 99.9999999% of the people that are out there ripping people apart for what they did in the past, I promise you they have something in their closet you haven't found yet. And we've even seen that in social media where the people that are doing most of the bashing, a year later you find out they did something. So there is no perfect person. Stop trying to hold yourself up to their standards and stop trying to seek their approval don't be a people pleaser. Be a God pleaser. Recognize who you are. You're like me. Busted up, broken, a hot mess. But we all are, and we're a family. And we all need to start loving each other like we love our children, no matter how far they go down the wrong road. The minute they look back and say help, we reach out and we do whatever we can to bring them back. And we don't convict them over what they did. We love them for who they can be with our help. And how is our help going to be any good? Because instead of being disconnected from God and dangerous, we're connected to God. And when we have God in us, we can help them in a way that they've never been helped before. They are no longer being identified like we started this podcast by saying, hello, my name is Mike Newman and I'm an alcoholic. Hello, my name is Mike Newman and I'm an addict. Hello, my name is Mike Newman and I'm, I'm a gambler. No, hello, my name is Mike Newman and I'm a believer of God. And Jesus loves you because he doesn't care about the mistakes you've made. 
All he cares about is what you're going to do next. And you want proof? Look at me. And share your story. Share your mistakes. Share about the choices you made. And you're walking proof that God is real. You're the miracle. God created you. He saw all the mistakes you were going to make. He saw the mistakes you did make. And when you called for him and you came to your knees and you surrendered and you were saved, he saved you. He welcomed you into the kingdom. People need to know that. People need to know they can make mistakes. And people need to know the people that are out there that are holding on to all these people that are on TV telling them this is how you should behave and this is what you need to do and you got to stop doing this and we got to start teaching people how, about the, the sins of our past not to build each other up but to remind each other how evil somebody else is. When they start following that and realizing nothing but destruction and evil comes out of it, they're going to fall. They're going to crumble like a house of cards, and the world is going to be destroyed. Their sense of their their self, their sense of self is going to be destroyed, and they're going to need someone to pick them up, and that is God. And God wants to send you to be the one to do it. But he's not going to send somebody with a loose connection. He's going to call on the person who's connected to him. Because those people with the loose connections to God, the people that are still doing things and thinking that they're doing things in his name, but really they're doing it themselves, and Satan's helping them believe that lie, he's providing enough power in them to do things and accomplish things to make them believe the lie. But God is not going to introduce someone who is freshly on their knees seeking God's help. He's not going to send someone that's going to burn their house down. He's going to send somebody who's connected to God. And if you really want to experience something that is going to change your day and change your life and change your, when you're really down and you're really frustrated and you're really lost and you're really sick and tired of the world the way it is, when you're just had enough, there's nothing that brings you back than being able to share God with somebody and seeing it change their life. There's nothing better. There's nothing more fulfilling than to give somebody hope and to give someone and to know that you were a part of that. So that's our message for this week. And I want to thank you all for joining me on Coffee at the Cross. I want to thank you for, for being here. And, you know, one of the things I just wanted to share with you coming forward, we're going to have people come on the show, and we're going to have people give their testimony. We're going to, we're going to give real stories because, you know what, one of the things God put in my heart is people are desperate to share their story with people that will accept them. Remind them what God did for them, because they want someone else to feel that. They want the people who are lost to know the truth. They want to share their story, but the news, the media, all these places that we go to, they don't want to hear about God. They want to tell you about what these organizations can do. They want your politicians to, to be the ones to fix things. They don't want God fixing anything. They want you to rely on them. They're not going to fix the problem. God will. And there are so many people out there that are just desperate to share their testimony. But where are they going to go? 
And that's what this platform is going to be about. So next week, we're going to have someone come on and give their testimony. I'll announce who that is later in the week. I, I don't want to spring it on them. I've had three people that reached out to give their testimony. So I'm going to throw it out to them and see who's available next week. But there will be someone. So I'll announce it in the next uh, day or two who that's going to be. So stay tuned next week as we have our first testimonial show. I love you guys. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Mary Loveland. It was great to see you join us tonight. Uh, that scripture, man, I'm telling you, just if there's one thing I want you guys to come away with tonight, get in the Bible, find a scripture you like, write it on a cue card, put it on your dashboard, put it on your work desk, and put it on your fridge. Put it everywhere, and just keep reminding yourself what it's all about, okay? So that's that's what I want you to leave you, keep the, the tight connection with God. Just keep surrounding yourself with the Word of God, and, and hey... Bring in the chats. I love all the comments. We love to, to share with each other. We'll have guests come on, and we'll have theological discussions. I got a seat right over here, another camera that we'll have. We'll have people come on and talk about God. So wonderful, awesome stuff coming up in the future. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, have a blessed day, and hey, don't forget, spend some time in the Bible. Pray. And there's one thing I want you to just remember. Praise, proclaim, and pray every day. Praise his name every time something wonderful happens. Proclaim who God is in your life every chance you get and pray, 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 pray for yourself, pray for your family and pray for those around you that are really, really struggling. And if you really want to know, you really want to give them hope, let them see you praying for them. Ask, say, can I pray for you? I just like to pray over you. Is there something I can pray over you for? And when God moves something in their life, they'll go back to that moment. And remember, that's when God came to me. He was sent. He sent someone to me because he cared about me. All right. I love you all. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you guys on the next episode of Coffee at the Cross. Praise, proclaim, and pray. And don't forget, Romans 3.23, my scripture for you this week. I'm going to put it right up here. My scripture. John 10.10, a thief comes to kill and destroy, and I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Remember who's for you, and who's trying to sneak in the back door to destroy you. Stay connected to God, everybody. Have a blessed night.